Bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacy. Living Word with Pastor Mensah Otoki. And now, today's word. Last week, I talked about my ministry values. And the reason I'm doing this is uh, for two, two reasons. First, you remember that uh, I had said that this year, uh, I want us to think about our lives and have a 10-year plan for everybody. Uh, 10 years ago, I led the church to do a 20-year plan. And uh, we are halfway through the 20-year plan, so we have to do a 10-year plan uh, from now. So I'm trying to share these thoughts to help you to think through your own lives and what your life is and the meaning of your life and the meaning of your purpose uh, and, and how to plan for the future. So although I'm talking about my ministry values and so on, I want you to think through that, use it as a format to determine your own personal values, what is important to you, what are the things that you really treasure in your life that make you who you are. And that's what I shared about mine. The second reason why I'm sharing it is because, you know, I'm, I'm, I've become, I've been a pastor of this church for 40 years. And in the 40 years, I've pastored so many people. Some have come, some have left. And every time new people are coming, it's always good to introduce myself to you and for you to have a good sense of who is your pastor, what does he stand for, what is he trying to do, why does he preach the kinds of messages he preaches, why doesn't he preach like other people. Uh, this is to help you to understand who I am, what I stand for, what I'm trying to do. So today I'm doing uh, uh, ICGC at 40, and my subtitle is My Ministry Focus. My Ministry Focus. Last week was my ministry value, my ministry focus. And when I say my ministry focus, I'm talking about what I'm trying to achieve, what, what I'm focusing on, what I keep my eyes on, and that is reflected in the kinds of messages I preach. To give you a scriptural background, we go to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, and verses 17 to 19, and Jesus Christ telling us about his ministry focus. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus was telling us about his ministry focus, what his ministry is about. And he uses a text in Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah chapter 61 that talks about the work of the Messiah. And Jesus announces that he is the Messiah by going to Isaiah and quoting the work of the Messiah. And after he had said all of that, he said, today this prophecy is fulfilled before you. And people almost killed him uh, for saying that. You would think that they would be excited that somebody had come to proclaim good news, but they wanted to kill him. Jesus said he was anointed and he was sent. And all of us who are called by Christ, each one of us, 
our ministry, whatever we want to do, whatever we do must fit into what Jesus Christ came to do because we can have no other ministry outside the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. So our ministry focus, our personal focus, our personal desires must always find convergence in Christ Jesus. Then second, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22 to 24. Let's hear Paul speaking. He says, for Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. It's interesting that Paul talks about what the Jews are looking for, what the Gentiles are giving for, and he never fulfilled what they are looking for. The Jews are looking for a sign. He says, I'm not going to give you a sign. The Greeks, Gentiles are looking for wisdom. He's not, I'm not going to give you uh, wisdom. I'm going to give you Christ, who is the all in all. Paul acknowledged that his ministry was in continuation of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, what is my ministry focus? And I'm going to talk about seven things that are my ministry focus. And uh, I, I've taken time to think through what my focus be, has been, what I've been preaching about, what I preach about, what I've been trying to do for 40 years, and I've captured them in seven ideas that represent the thrust of my ministry, the thrust of what I am hoping to achieve. Number one, to preach the gospel of Christ so that people can experience salvation from sin through God's saving grace. This is the primary focus of all Christian ministry. The Lord Jesus Christ charged us to go into the world all the world, and preach the gospel to everyone. And Jesus described the preaching of the gospel as the proclamation of the acceptable year of the Lord, the proclamation of God's year of favor. That word means that God is not angry with you to destroy you. God loves you. He wants to save you. He wants to rescue you. He wants to deliver you. It's like somebody who is trying to rescue a person who is trying to commit suicide. The person is, is on top of some building at the top and he wants to throw himself and the negotiator is sent to go and talk to him. What is the negotiator going to say? Is the negotiator going to say, hey, you are about to die. Or he's going to tell the person, listen, your mom loves you. Your dad loves you. We all love you. And we want to save you. We want you to be free. These two messages, which is going to be the most appealing to the guy who wants to commit suicide. It is not the message of you are about to die. It's a message of you are loved and you can be rescued and you can have a new life. That is the acceptable year of the Lord that Jesus came to proclaim. That for those who have no hope, there is hope that God wants to save them. God has sent his son to die for them so that in him they may have life and have more life more abundantly. That, my friends, is the gospel. 
The gospel is good news. The gospel is no criticism of human behavior. The gospel is the proclamation of God's love to redeem even the most despicable sinner and make that person a child of God. And I am, com uh, I am committed to preaching this message. It is my ministry focus to preach the good news, not the bad news, that when people give their lives to Christ, they will have new life. And that is what I preach. So you will not hear me uh, condemning people's sin. Once in a while, I challenge Christians to live uh, righteous lives and I talk about holiness and sanctification and purity. But when I'm talking to sinners, unbelievers, I don't criticize their sins because they are already sinners. I point them to the Savior who can deliver them from their sins. What good is it to tell a bad man, you are bad? An evil man, you are evil. Yes, you have affirmed who he is. But the gospel says, you can't be made righteous. You can't be made better. You can't be delivered. Your sins can be forgiven if you give your life to Jesus Christ. Good news is not the affirmation of the sins of the people. Good news is the proclamation of deliverance through Christ Jesus. And that is what my ministry focuses on. If you want somebody who is always condemning people, you will not find it here. You will find somebody who is affirming the love of God. If you watch the ministry of Jesus, the only people he criticized were the religious hypocrites, the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law. But when it comes to people like Zacchaeus, woman caught in adultery, all these bad people, Jesus never condemned them. He never spoke evil about them. He encouraged them to experience new life. And that's what the ministry of Christ is all about. Number two, my second focus, to affirm and exalt Jesus Christ as the true Lord over all powers of evil and manifestations of spiritual darkness. It is part of my ministry focus to emphasize the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In his death and resurrection, Jesus defeated all powers of evil and spiritual darkness. Many times people receive Jesus as the Lord of their lives, but they don't see him as the Lord of everything that is evil in this world. The Bible clearly teaches that Jesus is Lord over all satanic principalities and powers. Many African Christians struggle with the lordship of Jesus. They feel that although Jesus is Lord, the forces of darkness are not fully under his control. And some Christians feel they must continually fight against evil spirits in order to experience victory. And that view goes totally against the New Testament. The New Testament clearly shows that Jesus defeated Satan and made a public example of him. What he has defeated, we do not continue fighting. If you believe he is Lord over all principalities and powers, you don't live your life afraid of evil spirits. And spend all your prayer time coming against evil spirits and binding the devil and binding Satan. 
because most of us, all our prayer is to gain mastery over the devil. And Jesus says, just trust me. I did that job for you. Trust me. I have overcome this guy. But Africans don't like it that way. Oh yeah, we like the hard job. But it is my ministry focused to affirm and exalt Jesus Christ as the true Lord. Over all principality and powers. Part of my ministry focus is to constantly remind Christians, especially African Christians, directly Ghanaian Christians, of the extent of Christ's lordship. He is lord over all principality and power. He is lord over all gods, idols, and deities. He is lord over all demonic manifestations. He is lord over all witchcraft and evil curses. He is lord over all the curses in your bloodline. He is lord over every man and woman of God. He is lord over your present and your future realities. Jesus is Lord. And no matter how you feel, he's Lord. And I'm never going to preach a message that diminishes the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm never going to preach a message that emphasizes the power of Satan. I'm never going to preach a message that, that shows how bad the devil is. I'm going to preach a message that shows how powerful Jesus is. How much his salvation is and his deliverance is. If you want to come to church here and I'm going to tell you that although you are born again and saved, there is a curse in your family. That only I can break. Ah, you are in the wrong church. Because I will never tell you that. I will never tell you that. There is no curse I can break that Christ has not already broken. There is no victory I can preach that Christ has not already given. I'm not here to show you how powerful your ancestral curses and generational curses are. I'm here to tell you that in spite of all of that, Christ redeemed you by his own blood. He crushed the head of Satan. He made a public show of him. It's not me to deliver you. He has already delivered you. If you are born again, filled with the spirit of God, you are already delivered. Somebody say, I'm delivered. Listen to me. Whether your grandfather was a fetish priest, your grandmother was a fetish priestess, they had 70 idols in your house. All the witches of Ghana congregate in your porch. I don't care about that. I don't care about that. It is insignificant. What I care about is 2,000 years ago, on a hill called Calvary, God became man and hung on a tree and died and was buried and he rose again and when he rose again he said all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me how dare you diminish that how dare you belittle that how dare you how dare you think that your family that little family from that tiny village has so many demons that God himself who died for you cannot deliver you. 
that it takes something else. It takes an anointing oil. It takes a handkerchief. It takes something else for you to be delivered. Are you crazy? Are you thinking as a Christian? Have you read the Bible? Have you read the New Testament? Somebody said, Pastor, I feel it. I know. You feel it, but it's not real. The reality is the word of God. The pretension is your experience. The reality is the word of God. And the word of God says Jesus is Lord. Somebody say Jesus is Lord. It's my ministry focus to affirm and exalt Jesus Christ as the true Lord over all powers of evil and manifestations of darkness. That's why I don't pay attention. Somebody comes to church and says, oh, somebody has a powerful testimony. What is it? The person, he used to be a fetish priest and he's telling us how things were done there. Do I care? Do I care or do I curse? I don't curse. He was a fittest priest. He was a demon-possessed person. And he was in the underworld. And so what? I know one who went to the underworld. And he came out from there. And he destroyed the powers there. He is the one I trust in. And he is Lord. He is Lord. Somebody say Jesus is Lord. It's my ministry focus to affirm that. Number three. I need to rush this. Encourage Christians to trust in the sufficiency of the scriptures to answer all the important questions of life. The Bible is the word of God. It does not just contain the word of God. It is the word of God. It is complete and sufficient for all our instruction in righteousness. The scriptures reveal God to us. The scriptures reveal God's will to us. The scriptures reveal why God created us. The scriptures reveal God, what God expects of us. The scriptures reveal the state of human beings. The scriptures reveal how God relates to human beings. The scriptures reveal what God has done to Satan. The scriptures reveal what God has done for us in Christ. And they reveal the final state of all human beings. Those who believe and those who do not believe. It is food for our souls and our spirits. And I endeavor to root everything in my belief system to the scriptures. If it is not affirmed with the rightly interpreted scriptural provisions, I don't believe it. You show me and it is not scriptural, I don't believe it. Because let God be true and every man a liar. We don't walk by what we see, we walk by what God says. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The Bible is sufficient. The Bible is sufficient. The Bible is proficient. For every quest you have in life, it is your enabler. It is your wisdom. It is your life. It is your instructor. It is your motivator. 
It's your encourager. Whatever you have, whatever question it is, you find the answer there in the Bible. Of course, it will not be the answer to questions like, who stole the yam in my village? Of course, you're not going to find the Bible point to that. But it will show you the character of thieves. And based on that, you can make your own deduction as to which one stole the yam. Number four, make Christians aware of the triumphant life that is available to them through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. The Christian life is a triumphant life. It is a victorious life. Christ died and rose from the dead to give us victory. That's the Christian life. And though Christians experience suffering and pain and all kinds of challenges in our lives, we have the assurance that in Christ we are more than conquerors. We may not have freedom from every pain and from every suffering. We may not have freedom from every disadvantage. But in all of them, we are more than conquerors. In all of them. A Christian can be going through difficulty and still conquering. A Christian can be going through pain and still win. We can still cry and experience joy. The Christian life does not exempt us from suffering and pain, but the Christian life gives us victory through our pain and our suffering because in all things we come out victorious through Christ Jesus. In all things. In all things. The Christian life is a triumphant life. It's not a mediocre life. It's not a life running away from demons and principalities and witches and wizards. For most of you, almost all the prayer you pray is a runaway prayer. You're praying to run away from some dark force. The African is so incurably spiritist. It, it is so ingrained in our worldview that we constantly look for some kind of spiritual manifestation to plug our lives into. We see a cockroach on the wall, it's a demon. A frog just jumped and got into your bedroom. Hey, you think I don't know you? I know who you are. I mean, a nice lizard running away from that crass heat comes to hide under your bed and you are binding him in the name of Jesus. Mr. Lizard said, what have I done? I just want a cool atmosphere. An owl just perches on your tree. Hey! Thanks be to God who causes us to triumph always in all things through Christ. Thanks be to God who causes us to triumph always in all things through Christ. Thanks be to God who causes us to triumph always. I don't know what you're going through, but you will triumph over it. I don't know what life has come against you with, but you will triumph over it. 
You may be weeping today, but you are going to overcome that. You may be down, but you will be up. That is the Christian story. It is triumph in Christ Jesus. And ultimately, even in death, we win. Some people die and die. We die and live. The Christian life is a triumphant life. And it is my commitment to focus your attention on that. If you want me to talk about how defeated you are, you're in the wrong place. In Christ, we triumph over sin, over the desires of the flesh, over the old Adamic nature, over adversity, and over all powers of darkness. Number five, fifth ministry focus. Break the culture of fear, subservience, and dependency in the African society because of the effects of idolatry, slavery, and colonialism. I am African, if you don't know. I'm a black person. I'm a black man. A black African. I am aware of the challenges that come with being African and black. But I believe God called me as an African to speak to the culture I was born out of. And so if you listen to me, there's always an African component to what I say. Doesn't mean I don't believe in what in Europe. Doesn't believe I don't believe in Asia. Doesn't mean I, I believe Africans are superior to other people. No. All I'm saying is, when God calls you out of a people, he sends you to them as well. To answer the questions of the people. Questions of fear. And I wouldn't have too much time to expand on that. Questions of, of subservience. Inferiority complex. Dependency. Our inability to take hold of our lives and run our lives. We always wish that somebody would pick up our lives and run it for us. Simple decisions are very difficult for most of us. We always want somebody to tell us what to do. That's why prophets so-called have a field day on our continent because we don't know how to take charge of our lives. We don't know how to make decisions. Well, I'm traveling. Should I go? Should I not go? I'm going to do it. Should I do this? Should I? We, we're constantly unsure of ourselves. Constantly. And it's an African thing. Most people in other parts of the world have learned how to make decisions and bear the consequences of their choices and their actions. We somehow just want somebody else to make those decisions for us. And it's, there's a history to it. It's bound up in idolatry, in slavery, and in colonialism. The triple heritage. I can't have too much time to deal with it. I have to move to number six. But if you listen to me, I say a lot about that. Number six, promote a Christian work ethic that is rooted in productivity. 
pursuit of excellence and prosperity for honest labor. I believe God wants us to do well. He wants us to live our lives in dignity and honor. At the heart of human dignity is work. At the heart of human dignity is work. After the fall, God told Adam that he would eat through his sweat and toil. It is dignifying to sweat and to toil in your field. Hard work is honorable. It is through our sweat and toil that we become productive human beings. And prosperity comes from productivity. And I believe we must aim for the highest level of performance in all that we do. We must push for excellence. I believe God wants us to prosper. But I don't believe in magical prosperity. I believe in sweat and toil prosperity. I believe you must labor, sweat, work hard, and trust God to bless the work of your hands. That's how we prosper. That's how we do well. God said to Adam, the earth will produce stones and thistles for you. It's cursed. But if you labor and you toil, you will eat. In other words, you can be in a cursed environment, but through toil and labor, you will live a dignified life. So whatever you are, I'm not going to tell you that boom, overnight everything will change. Once in a while, God does those things. A miracle of supply when you are in a hard place and he gives you a miracle, he turns the situation around, but it is not the pattern of life. The pattern of life is wake up and work and work till you, you feel you have worked. You are tired. Not tired. We Ghanaians don't know how to say words well. The Nigerians who say, tired. Tired. The word itself has labor infused in it. <laughs> tired. <laughs> Hard work is not a curse. Labor is not a curse. Getting up and going to hustle every day. Standing by the roadside and selling is not a curse. Being at your workshop and knocking things together is not a curse. Being the, uh, the, the uh, you know, uh, fitting shop and working is not a curse. Being a seamstress is not a curse. Standing on your feet to dress people's hair is not your curse. Working hard as a sanitation person to wipe and to clean the streets is not a curse. Hard work is not a curse. Some do it as doctors. Some do it as I'm doing. I'm working hard. I have to study hard. I have to study languages I don't want to study. I have to study Greek and Hebrew. I have to understand a document that is 4,000 years old. And make it relevant in 2024. And afterwards, I have to come here and sweat. 
And then after that, I have to work hard because people have problems. Pastor this and pastor that and pastor this. That's hard work. You can say, Lord, God will bless me if I don't work hard. You have to work hard and you have to rejoice in your labor. Don't complain about work. I never complain about work. Have you ever heard me ever complaining about how difficult it is as a pastor? Never talk about it because everybody's work is hard. Everybody's work is hard. Your work is hard. My work is hard. Everybody's work is hard. The person carrying something on their head, that's hard work. The boxer who goes to be beaten, that's hard work. The footballer who's playing and people are just kicking his feet and he's having all kinds of injuries, that's hard work. Everybody's work is hard. Finally, Empower Christians to take up leadership responsibility in all spheres of life and make Christ known through their lives. We say it always in ICGC. Raising leaders, shaping vision, influencing our society through Christ. And when I talk about leadership, I'm not talking about a position or a title. I'm talking about an attitude and a responsibility. Christians must step to the plate when they are needed. We must enter into the world and be salt and light. We cannot hide from the world. We cannot run away from the world. But wherever we go, remember this. You are an ambassador of Christ. You are the ambassador of Christ in the fitting workshop. You are the ambassador of Christ in the operating theater. You are the ambassador of Christ at the Kolebu Teaching Hospital as a nurse. Nurses at Kolebu hear me properly. You are an ambassador of Christ. You are an ambassador of Christ wherever you go, wherever you work. That's what leadership is. Knowing that I'm here because Christ has placed me here and I'm going to make him known. I'm going to be salt. I'm going to be light. I'm going to showcase Jesus Christ. That's leadership. You may not get a certificate for that. You may not be given a title for that. But when your light is shining, everybody follows you. You may be the lowest paid officer in your office, but everybody looks up to you. People honor you. People respect you. People come to you for advice because you show Christ wherever you are. That's what true leadership is all about. So... My ministry focus, that's it, those seven things that I have talked about. And if you listen to me every time, and you've listened to me for 40 years, you'll find that somewhere in every message, these seven themes will play out. Because that is what I believe God wants me to focus on. There will be other pastors who focus on other things. I have no problem with that. But you have to know what I, I have. Peter says, such as I have, I give. This is what I give. And if any of these seven things resonate with you and they are part of your aspiration and what you want to become in life, then you are in the right place. Listen to the right person God has appointed for you to help you to become the person that God wants you to be. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebil, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebil. Email otebil at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.